This podcast is also part of a pod course, which is available for credit on speechtherapypd.com. All you need to do is register for the course, complete the requirements, and you will receive credit. Speechtherapypd.com is a video continuing education company, a certified ASHA CE provider. More than ever, I am super selective on how I spend my time, whether it's choosing which emails to read or how I get my continuing ed units. I want value for my time and efforts. I'm Shar Beauchart, and I bet you can relate. So when I say I get my CEUs from SpeechTherapyPD.com, just know their speech-language videos and pod courses are practical and totally worth it. And right now, you have the exclusive opportunity to pay less for the subscription than I did. <laughs> okay? Memorize this discount code. It's SHAR, C-H-A-R. Just go to SpeechTherapyPD.com, subscribe, and at checkout, type in what? SHAR, C-H-A-R. You get a $10 discount for heaven's sakes. <laughs> Do it now. It doesn't take long. SpeechTherapyPD.com. You and your speech kids will be glad you did. It's time well spent. Welcome to The Speech Link. I'm your host, Shar Beauchart, and I invite you to listen and learn practical strategies from experienced experts to take your therapy to the next level. Seems like speech-language pathologists in general and school-based SLPs in specific are constantly facing scheduling challenges and limited planning time. Today, we link with an experienced school SLP who shares her strategies on how to take one storybook and create multiple lessons to address a variety of goals, even within a mixed speech and language therapy group. She tells us the upfront planning procedures, how to select the books, and how to implement therapy. Got your pen and paper? You're going to need it. Here we go. Today, my guest is Alyssa Kilduff. She has her master's degree in speech-language pathology, and her primary interests are in language-based learning disabilities, collaboration with general and special education teachers, and curriculum-based interventions. As a member of the Georgia School-Based Speech-Language Pathologist Leadership Team, Established through the Georgia Department of Education, Alyssa helped to develop a statewide training for SLPs and general education teachers on collaboration. Very cool. In addition, Alyssa has designed resources, including evidence-based interventions and progress monitoring rubrics for RTI, response to intervention, language check sheets aligned to grade level standards, and educational impact of common standardized language assessments. She's also the co-author of IEP Goal Writing for School-Based Speech-Language Pathologists, Utilizing State Standards, available through Plural Publishing. Currently, Alyssa is a speech-language pathologist in a large metro school district in Georgia as one of the five SLPs in the elementary school. Wow. Man, she serves pre-K through second grade with a variety of disabilities and special needs. No doubt she is applying all of her knowledge and training skills with those kids. So welcome to the Speech Link, Alyssa. Well, thank you so much for having me. Great. I'm so glad to have you here. Alyssa, I was so happy to see your podcast title. I, I'm thinking, whoa, this lady is going to get really specific and practical for us. Your title is Literature-Based Therapy, Planning for Mixed Speech-Language Groups. And I'm interpreting mixed, mixed groups to mean kids that have a variety of issues, etc. But what is your interpretation? Yes, they have various needs, um, but also with the scheduling in a school system, you have, you're typically able to group your ages together, but you may not be able to put all of your articulation students in one group or your language students in another group. Or with scheduling issues, you may have to put a kindergartner with a first grader. So it could be a whole slew of differences. Plus, it might be a student with a, um, autism mixed with a student who has a pure articulation disorder. So any of those 
various combinations. And you're going to tell us a suggestion of how to do that, of how to plan our therapy and implement our therapy and to address the needs of basically of most of those kids in that group. Is, Is that the direction you're going? Yes, absolutely. It is looking at how you can take one book and use it for the majority of your school day with all those different groupings that you have and how you can expand it so that you're not just using it for one day, but you might use it for a full week or two weeks or even possibly a month. Yes. Oddly enough, I totally understand where you're going with this because I have done therapy that way. And it'll be so much fun to kind of compare notes and and see where you're going with this because I think that's a great way not only to meet the needs of those individual kids, but also to kind of bring in and help transfer into the classroom. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Oh, this is just, this is very exciting. All right. So you are personally right now working with pre-K to second grade. That's correct. So are you using this with all of those grades or more predominantly maybe first and second or, or how are you adjusting that? So there are some books that we have, that I have easily adapted to using with um, pre-K first and second graders and then others where we we, I say, I keep saying we, because right now I have a student intern that I'm really helping her to see how we can do this. Um, but we might use a specific book for pre-K and kindergarten, and then another book for um, first and second grade. So it really depends on the book and the skills that that the book that we can target with the book. Um, but there are numerous books that I have used for pre-K through second grade. I've even used some of the books all the way up through fifth grade. Okay. So where do we start here? I guess you identify the capabilities and the skills and the needs for the kids in that group. And then you find the book. Is it that, or do you find the book and you go, oh, which? (laughs) I usually, yes, I usually find the book first. So it might be that I have, um, you know, the a theme for the month or, you know, the timing of the year, you know, so like recently with spring, you can bring in a lot of different topics related to spring. So it might just, you know, we just had the book fair. So I found some books at the book fair and I'm like, okay, now what do I do with this? So usually I take the book and go through the book to see all the different things that can be targeted with that book from the articulation sounds that occur frequently in there to the types of questioning that can be asked, any phonemic awareness skills that can be built in, um, rhyming words or sound stretching, breaking, blending apart, segmenting. Um, so I, always I'm looking for social skills that can be targeted with with those books as well. Anything that I can bring in to target a social skill is helpful for the majority of my students. Um, when I'm looking at the books, also I'm looking at can it be simplified for my special needs preschool classrooms where those students have also have a variety of needs, but they have very different levels. Some might be completely nonverbal or using other um, ways to communicate. So I might be looking at how I can bring core words in um, or how I can adapt the book so that they can get some more some more um, language skills out of it, communicate basic communication, functional communication skills out of it. Um, So for instance, there might be the books that have very repetitive phrases or um, one of the, or series of books. My, one of my favorites is all the old lady books. There's basically an old lady who swallowed something that you could do every month of the school year. Okay. All right. All the old lady books. Well, that sounds like something I can, I can really relate to. Um, Okay. So I'm in Amazon right now. Um, What should I, what should I search for? There was an old lady who swallowed a 
And then I'm sure they would all pop up, but there's the fly. There's a, there's an old lady who swallowed a chick. There was an old lady who swallowed a, um, a frog, frog, clover. Oh, a birthday cake, a rose. Um, there's, there was an old lady who swallowed some books, which I don't have yet, but I'll be getting for the beginning of next school year. It's, they're very thematic. And I find that a lot of my kindergarten, mostly kindergarten and first graders, but even some of the lower second graders um, with some of the, you know, who might be like second language learners on top of the fact that they have a learning disability, um, they don't, they don't have a lot of background knowledge on even different seasons, different holidays. And those, those books specifically give so much of the vocabulary that and how everything is kind of associated with that holiday. For instance, Thanksgiving, the one where she swallows a turkey has a whole bunch of different, um, uh, all of the, all of the things she swallows leads to a parade at the end. And it's just amazing to talk to the kids and they, they don't even know what a parade is, but then they have no idea uh, that there's a big, huge Thanksgiving day parade. So it's just teaching them all these different life things that they don't have access to. And so like I talked to some of them about, well, maybe you should ask your mom or dad if you can watch this Thanksgiving day parade on Thanksgiving morning. So different ideas like that. I am on Amazon and I just put in there, there was an old lady who swallowed and a whole bunch of them came up. And there was one here that's kind of interesting. There was a cold lady who swallowed some snow. Yes. Which that's kind of an interesting play on words. Yeah. Well, there's one here on an astronaut. There was an old astronaut who swallowed the moon. Yeah. This guy had, yeah. I mean, we're talking big appetite there. There's the, there was an old pirate who swallowed a map (laughs) and um, there was an old, I think it's an old mermaid who swallowed a shell. Yeah. She just keeps coming out. Those two actually might be a different author or maybe she partnered with someone else, but they still follow a very similar. Yeah, it's just great. Those are really good. And and I'm anxious to hear how you plan, how you organize it, how you, you know, what do you do with the books? How do you really use them with the kids? So that'll be fun. But okay, we've got, we'll get into that. We've got some books and there's lots of books out there. And do you go to the library and talk with the librarian? Do you talk with the teachers? Do you also maybe use books that they're using in class? Or do you usually go more independent and, and really look at your criteria of what the kids need as far as language and social skills and that kind of thing? So I have done all of those things where I have gone into the media center in the school or to the public library and just even, just even looked around at the public library at the books that were, you know, that they put up and highlight on top of the shelves or, um, or what they might, when, when, when my daughter was younger, we would go to story time and I would hear the books that they would read and how excited the kids were and would think, Oh, those would be great books. Um, and, but then I also would hear, see what some of the teachers might be reading when I stepped into the class, um, and say, Oh, that sounds like a really great book and find out from them what that book was, or even just hearing what some of the kids talk about and they may mention a book that I never heard of. And so we might get some more information about that. And then usually when you look up that book, then you find a whole bunch of other ones. And in terms of what using what the teachers are already reading in the classroom, um, a lot of times there's overlap, whether it's on purpose or on accident. And I'll have the students say, oh, I've already read that book, or we just read that book in class. And I say, well, great, you can help help me read it, or you can help us talk about some of these things. Or I can say, ooh, don't give away the ending. And there's a whole bunch of social skills that you can work on involved in that as well. Uh, and you know, teaching them how to wait and how to, you know, saying something expected versus unexpected and giving away um, what the ending is. So 
there's just so many different ways. I'll tell you, my favorite thing to do is go to the book fairs when they come to the school and pick out some books from there. Uh, I am fortunate in that I have a second grader that I live with. <laughs> so <laughs> I get a lot of book ideas from from just what she brings home or what she talks about. But um, to me, any book is fair game. I like that. I love that relevancy piece, you know, because and especially those kids that, you know, maybe are just not thrilled with words or th- thrilled with books and so on. You know, you bring in a book that they really love. And maybe it's just something simple, like maybe they have a cat or a dog at home or, mm-hmm. um, you know, who knows what kids are into. Um, I have a, a good friend of mine that she loves to do lessons on snakes. Yeah. And that's probably not me, but there are children that just love, you know, reptiles and so on. So Mm -hmm. you can find books that would just capture their attention and really maintain their focus and something that they truly personally are interested in. And that makes all kinds of sense to me. Absolutely. Yes. I think that's huge when, when you, especially if you have students in a group and they are not as interested in, participating in your group or, you know, there, I have some of my articulation students who get so frustrated that they don't want to, they, they'll start to shut down and not want to talk in front of some of the other students. And if you bring in a book that is on the, on a topic of their interest, like I have one boy who's fascinated with dinosaurs. If I read a dinosaur book every single time, his, he'd be so excited that he would, he would, relax a little bit about his sounds and just participate more so that we could actually work on some of those sounds. Good idea. Well, you're on top of it. So let me ask you, okay, we're looking at, you're talking literature. And when I think literature, I also think of maybe other publications or other types of narratives. Do you ever use poems or articles or anything like that? Yes, absolutely. I have, um, I wouldn't say because of the, the grades that I'm working with, I don't do as much with poems because they, um, they don't lend themselves to as wide a variety of, of skills that I'm looking to, that the ones that I'm looking to target, but I absolutely could see with some of the, um, older grade levels, some of the longer poems that you could certainly do it. Or now that I'm saying that, some of the where the sidewalk ends or those types of longer multi-page types of poems, you absolutely. Um, I think you have to be real careful with some of the language in some of the poems where I'm trying to teach these students very functional vocabulary. I don't necessarily want to also be worrying about, you know, like Shakespeare type poetry. Yeah, I'm not going there. Yeah. (laughs) No, I want poems that are fun, fun poems and interesting poems. I totally agree with you there. Yeah, I'm not bringing in Shakespeare. (laughs) You know, I and maybe you know these books, but I'll just share it with you. Do you know the Marianne Hoberman books? I'll read to you, you read to me. No. uh -uh. Okay. That may be something you might want to look that up. Sure. And she has a series. There's several books and I'm going to say they're mostly oriented to different reading levels. And uh, she also has one like on Halloween and they're just so cute. Mm -hmm. They're like um, two columns, you know, reader one and reader two. The one that's really basic, I think is the one, I think there's a bear on the front or a elephant. I I think it's a bear, but it's very simple language and it's cute. And there's rhyming yeah. And they, one child says one of the lines in the column, then the next person says the next line. And then there's also some lines that they say together. So I've kind of used that even for readers theater, you know, yeah. and I have done that with second grade and up. I love that. But yeah, it's probably not going to be used with, you know, your younger kids or even kindergarten, but they're very fun and creative and kind of crazy. The kids really like them. I think those are those are super fun. Marianne Hoberman. Yeah, I've got that written down. Also, yeah, the Reader's Theater, I think those are those are um great things to use for this too. Yeah. Because 
then you get the kids involved in it. I was reading a book. Uh, oh my goodness. What was the name of it? I don't want to be a frog. <laughs> I, I cannot remember the, the author right now, yeah. but there's a, there's a follow-up book as well, but uh, it was speech bubbles. And so there were different characters with saying different things. And I had one group who actually were pretty pretty good readers and they wanted to play the different parts. So there's just a whole lot of different ways. The piggy, the um, piggy and elephant books are really good for that too, to have those, that conversational give and take turn taking Hmm. within that. And then you have planned what you're going to address or target on each page of the book. Piggy and elephant books. Yes. Piggy and elephant. Those are adorable books. I'm there. The author just ex- just escaped me. Mo Willems. I've heard of those, yes. but I've never used them. Yeah, those look really good. Let's look at the next layer down here. So, you know, we have a book. And then what do you do? How do you plan? Do you yep. retype the book and then make notes on there? Or what do you do? Sure. So uh, I have a few different methods depending on um, what I might be utilizing the book for. So the, to get the, the biggest bang out of my book, like I am going to sit down with that book and the goals and objectives for my all my different groups, whether it's the just an outline of the different skills that I want to target or their actual goals and objectives. Um, and which that part varies by the time of the school year and how well I know the students. Right. So obviously at the beginning of the year, I might have, I, I might not, I might need to look at the specifics of my groups more often than I do at this time of the year when I know their goals pretty much by by memory. Yes. Um, so then I am, I just go page by page. I usually have um, post-it notes with me because that those are a lifesaver. And I will put a post-it note on each page of the book for what to help me remember what I want to target on that page. Mm. So, and you could do that for various different groups. Okay. So I might have a post-it note with different groups, maybe their um, initials on that post-it note and different prompts on that page that I want to target. I could actually take data right there on that post-it note if I wanted to. So I would, you know, open up to that page, getting ready to read it to the group and take the sticky note off and put it right in front of me and read read that page of the book or have them participate Ah. in reading it with me, depending on their reading ability. And then I can ask them those probes. So maybe I have student, student A who is uh, working on S blends and that page had three S blend words on it. So I'm either going to, depending on their level, Mm -hmm. I might, you know, ask them a probing question related to that page to try to get them to answer or with the S blend word, or I might um, have them repeat the word when I say it because they're at that level um, or use it in a sentence, you know, whatever to describe that page, you know, whatever their level might be. And then student B might be working on answering WH questions. So I might have a specific WH question to ask them about that page or two or three, depending on what the context of the story is. Right. Um, and then maybe the the last student is working on a vocabulary skill and like um, describing. And so I might pick a feature from that page, something that happened on that page or something in the illustration and ask them some describing words and then move to the next page. All right. And that takes a little bit of upfront preparation. Yes. But you've got different color um, post-it notes probably (laughs) for different groups. Or or pens. We all like our pens. (laughs) Or pens. And 
So that takes some pre-planning. Yes. Okay. I understand that. And But in the long run, that is probably going to save us some time. Absolutely. I would think. Yes. And you've got, you could address the same type of thing the following session yes. if you want. You know, you did it on Monday. You can do it on a Wednesday. Yes. And you can just see if they remembered. And there's where your data comes in correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Or sometimes session one, I just read the story and we talk about it and we, you know, I don't, may not spend as much time on each specific skill, but I know in the back of my mind what I'm looking to target. So I might emphasize that S blend word Mm -hmm. or use a think aloud strategy and ask myself the WH question. And if the students answer, that's great, but that's not, um, you know, that's my teaching opportunities, not my data collection opportunities. Um, that, you know, cause that way you're not stopping for so long on each page of the book. Right. They get a little bit antsy when you do that. So they, they just want to hear the story. And so we, we might go through the story a little bit faster and then do some follow-up activities on the other days where we might go back through the story um, or do other activities, whether it's um, things that I've found on, uh, you know, book companions on Teachers Pay Teachers or whether it is things I've created to go along with the book, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. So. That makes total sense to me. Reading the entire story at least one or two times so the child gets kind of the gestalt or the kids get kind of the gestalt, the idea of it so that they kind of get it from beginning to end. And within that area, let me ask you, there are people that say, oh, you should just read the story, let them listen, don't let them look at the pictures or at the words. Then other people say, oh, yeah, just let them look at everything and talk about the pictures and that kind of thing. You know, and I guess it kind of depends on on the kids. Some kids will get distracted by the pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know even sometimes the pictures on the page are not reflected in the words that you're reading. So, but do you have a preference in initially sharing that story with the kids? So uh, I would say that it totally depends on the group. And if I feel like they're going to get distracted while I'm reading the words, then I will hold the book towards me, read the words, and then show them the picture. Mm, Okay. But But the majority of the time I'm reading it often upside down while they're looking at it because they're so much more um, focused and and in tune and interested, I guess is the word I'm looking for, because they're listening to my words and finding things in the pictures that do go with that or that don't go with that. So um, they, it's just... Um, I don't know. I feel like that makes it just a richer story reading experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also, depending on the students, will point to the words while I'm reading it to them. Some of them like to follow along or they're very interested in reading. They just are struggling with it. So it just helps them to make those connections. Yes. Sometimes they are like, oh, that's one of my sight words. You know, all sorts of different things pop up. Yeah, that's a a nice coordination between the print piece and the language piece that you're working on. Char Beauchard here. True story. I just hung up the phone with an SLP that had attended an on-site seminar. She said she loved the seminar, but she forgot to fill out her ASHA participant form. Sounds easy enough, huh? Uh Uh-uh. The seminar was three months ago, and all the paperwork had been submitted, and ASHA doesn't take late forms. So I said, Linda, you have to file an appeal with ASHA. Then she said, this is a nightmare. I drove two hours to get there, two hours to get home, and now I have to file an appeal? I felt for her. And then I said, Linda, have you ever heard of SpeechTherapyPD.com? She said, no. No. 
I said, just get your CEUs online, girl. That's what I do. You don't have to leave home. They have over 500 hours of video, a huge variety of topics for SLPs that work with children and adults. And if you don't want to watch a video, then listen to the pod courses and get your CEUs that way. Then she said, they're pretty expensive, right? I said, uh, no, their plans start at $89 a year for heaven's sake. And then I I said, do you want the icing on the cake? SpeechTherapyPD.com has scheduled a CEU cruise next summer to Italy and Greece. Woohoo! She said, okay, I'm looking them up right now. And so should you. SpeechTherapyPD.com. Check them out. Tell your friends. You'll be glad you did. All right. You've got the book. You have initially shared it with the kids. And that's going to take maybe a whole session, maybe not. But do you ever extract things from that book and do other activities? Or where do you go with the book? Mm -hmm. So absolutely. We have done numerous things where I have read the book and then uh, which, like you said, usually takes pretty much the whole session. Uh, if not, like with some of the old lady books, you can get through it with with maybe 10 minutes to spare. And so we might do a quick sequencing activity after that to help them remember the aspects of the story and the different, the sequence of events or um, make some connections with their own personal experiences mm-hmm. that then sometimes will, uh, if, if there's more time, we might do some of that, those specific skill targets that I was talking about before on the post-it notes um, that we've been working on, or we may save that for another time. Then I would, then I look for other follow-up things. Kids love doing little crafts or little snacks even, um, that you can have to go along with books. Like, um, there's a book called, um, Frog on a Log by, uh, Kess Gray. And, you know, maybe after that, you make frogs on a log, whether it's with paper and, you know, construction paper and little frogs that you've, that you've printed off or something, or they draw frogs on a log, or you use the, um, pretzel rods with some, you know, like a, a nut butter or a nut free butter or cream cheese or something that's right. Allergy. I always have to be aware of allergies and you, you put a green coated candy on top or a jelly bean or, or you could do ants on a log and talk about with raisins and talk about how ants are, you know, ants and frogs are similar and how they're different. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of different things. I'll tell you that the other thing that I like to do with those series of books, anything that has uh, even two books to it, like this frog on a log one has also has dog on a frog as a follow-up. Then we might read spend a one week on one of the stories and then the second week do the other story and then t- compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. And then you can take that for a whole nother week, probably at least. Yeah. Do you ever use like this little book? I've pulled it up on Amazon, Frog on a Log, Kess, K-E-S, Gray, G-R-A-Y and Jim Field. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with that book, but it looks simple enough to maybe even do with preschool or kindergarten? Yes. So do you, would you take that frog on a log and maybe do some prepositional kinds of things? Absolutely. We have definitely done that. Um, where you can have the con- a, you know a log on a construction paper or um, a lily pad and you can put the frog in different places uh, you can make little little books about that. So here the frog is on the log. Here the frag, frog is in the box. Here the frog is, you know, there's so many different ways to do that. That that particular book also has a whole bunch of different animals that are on different things. Um, 
and it and it's a rhyming it's all rhyming words so there's a million different things that you can do with with that whether it's prepositions whether it's um uh the rhyming words comparing and contrasting the animals describing the animals um yeah there's a lot of different things going on with that book well there's several books here for frogs <laughs> And there's several frog on a log books. Like there's another one here by Phil Cox. And there's another one here, summary of five frogs on a log. We we also, uh, you know, some of the kids get really interested in singing uh, five green and speckled frogs. So then you can bring bring that into it, do some singing. You could, walk, you know, find a YouTube video to watch make sure that you pre-watch it um, and then um, talk about what speckled means. And some, you know, I mean, you can, ex- I mean, even second graders are like, oh my gosh, I love that song. I want to sing that song. You know, they, they get so excited about those kinds of things too, because they don't get to do them as much anymore. Yes, totally fun. You know, I've done a lot with books as you have, and I really like to just do like YouTube frog on a log or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there are people there reading the book. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes, yes, you want to watch them and sometimes you don't. But mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite books, um, at any rate, the, the girl has created a song based on that um, a book. And so sometimes you get fortunate and, you know, people get so creative and they put it up on YouTube and you come up with some really good finds and kids love watching YouTube. Yep, they do. And sometimes even if I have a book, I will look to see if somebody else is reading it online and how good it is uh-huh. because they sometimes listen to somebody else so much better than they listen to me because they hear me all the time, but they just get infatuated by this screen yes. and they'll, they'll just tune in. But that's another thing. Like I don't buy every single book. If I can't get it from the library, I'm, uh, I just look on YouTube and lo and behold, there's usually always somebody reading it. Yes, exactly. Now, Alyssa, I know that you have given us a couple of wonderful handouts, very useful. Would you talk about those and tell us what they are and how we can use them and apply them? Absolutely. So um, the the first one is a what, what I have called a literacy-based lesson planning assistant. And it's um, this first first one is specifically for Frog on a Log, the book that we were talking about earlier. Um, but I do have a number of other ones uh, available um, on my Teachers Pay Teachers store. But this one, uh, specific, specifically for that, for that story, has the articulation skills that you could target with it. So, for instance, it show, has final consonants and then it lists out some of the, some of the words in the story that have good final consonant targets. Clusters, same thing. It lists out some of the words. Uh, and then some additional possible targets that you could find within the story. There just aren't as many of them. So, you know, S words or R words, there just aren't as many. So I, But you could absolutely still pull some out. Uh, it has some fluency skills that you could target for example, in Frog on a Log, there's tons of carrier phrases or repetitive phrases that you could incorporate in. So um, frogs don't sit on, and basically on every page, the student could practice that carrier phrase. Um, then it lists out some different language skills that you could target, uh, some specific factual questions are are put in this so that you don't have to come up with them yourself. There's some already there for you. Same thing with a couple inferencing possibilities, a uh, lower level and a higher level. Some, a lot, there's a lot of predicting that you can do with this story using knowledge of rhyming words. Uh, so it's just, uh, oh, and then the social pragmatic, so identifying feelings and emotions using the pictures that are in the book. Um, you can talk about how 
ask the students, how do you think the frog is feeling and how do you know that? So you can talk about their facial expressions. Um, this one particularly, you can talk a lot about flexible thinking and how the cat in one of the characters in the story is not flexible and they can talk about how the cat could become more flexible um, perspective taking is another big one that you can use. So it just, it just outlines a lot of those different skills, comparing and contrasting, um, that you can use with that story. And then it also has some other skills that you can target. So the song or the craft, like when we talked about doing five green and speckled frogs or doing, um, frogs on a log or ants on a log. And it um, it also provides the lexile level and the guided reading level for the book. Good. Well, this is excellent. And this is on your Teachers Pay Teachers store page. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'm assuming that you have other books. Yes, there are. That you have, have outlined and helped us out here and written and basically digested for us and put it on a page. It's an ongoing project. Nice. So we don't have to do it. You've done it. Excellent. And then about the other item that you've given us. Yes. So the other one is the exact same assistant form template, but, but it's, it's an, it's editable. So it's, it's blank and you can use it for any book. So you, if, if the book isn't already done or you have some books that are your favorites and you want to write down every possible skill that could be targeted, you can print that one off and fill it in for any book. Um, yeah. So it's just a template that can be used to do all of those same things. And you know, I like to do that. Also, we talked about the post-it notes earlier, but if you, this, this template, or these assistants that are already completed every year, you can use them. You have everything written down for that book. And then for your specific students that year, you can pick the targets that you want to use for those specific groups. Yeah, this is really nice. You've given us some good categories here. Great. Thank you very much for both of those. Thank you. You know, another thing too, I was just wondering about working with the teachers because, you know, and I have done stories in therapy and somebody will come in and say, oh, you're reading that story. Isn't that nice? I love that story. And I'm thinking, yes, it's a good story, but it really gives me some language concepts to work on with the kids. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking more covertly about the story rather than the actual overt story. Yep. I look at the story as kind of being the framework that I can hang the language concepts on right. to work on and, you know, do some repetition and so on and expand and you know, that kind of thing. Here's my question. Do you talk with teachers maybe about how to do this or do you ever go into the classroom, especially with preschoolers and kindergarten and kind of model or do this so that they can kind of catch on this, you know, sort of absorb this into their teaching style? Because I know that it doesn't come naturally for a lot of teachers. Sure. Um, yes, absolutely. For I, uh, One of my favorite things to do is to go into classrooms. Um, and, you know, the teachers have such busy schedules now that uh, this is a very helpful way to to show them that, oh, this would be a great thing for me to come in and do in the classroom. Look, I've got this book and this book goes directly with this theme. Um, so there's, I think that you, I, the way that I've always done that is just builds, you have to build that, those relationships and that trust with the teachers so that they they instinctively know that when they open your door and you're reading a book, you're not just reading a book. So then, so then they, they'll ask me the questions also, you know, so what, well, what, what are you targeting with that book and what could I use that book for? And, and then it just allows for very open discussions. Um, right now, due to scheduling issues this year, I have to push in to, a kindergarten resource classroom just to, to see the 
a lot of my kindergartners. And I, I actually go in there during math segment and a English language arts segment. So I'm so I'm really able to talk to her about how we could use we could still do this same thing, but with this book, we're going to focus on these math concepts. So so it's really and then word of mouth just gets around because that teacher you know, works with every kindergarten teacher. So then, you know, she might say, oh, well, Alyssa just gave me this great idea for this book. And, you know, you should. And so then they all will come to me and ask me questions. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Look what you did. Exactly. Then I want to close my door. (laughs) Well, and I know that that collaboration is another area that of interest for you. Yes, yes. So, yeah, yeah. In fact, we may just have to have you back to talk about collaboration. That would be very fun. With pleasure. Oh, Alyssa, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for all of your your insight into how we can uh, save time and meet our kids' needs. But I do have a final question for you. And it's it can be related, you know, to what we've been talking about, but it doesn't have to be. And here is the question. Please share your favorite therapy insight or nugget. Okay. Wow. Well, I feel like I get a new one of those just about every day. But I would say that the the biggest insight, which I try to instill when I'm doing mentoring and CF supervision or intern supervision with teachers, anything, is that these it, it it almost doesn't matter if you accomplish in your session what you set out to accomplish, but if you put the the thought into what you wanted to do with it and what the purpose of it was, you're gonna get something out of it. It might not be exactly what you were hoping for. You may not have targeted everybody's objectives. You may not have gotten 50 data points, but you made some sort of difference and gave those children something that they didn't have before. I just, I just think that we sometimes put so much pressure on ourselves to have these perfect lessons and you know, everything in color and everything, you know, so perfect. And if we just kind of relax and let, let that session happen, then we're going to, we're going to find that those kids are going to learn more from us. Yes. Oh, that's a good insight. I totally agree with you. In fact, some of the lessons where I spent a great deal of time of planning and coordinating materials and so on, just totally ended up going another direction. Because if you are, you know, if you're focused on your kids, you're going to follow their lead many times. Right. And yeah, so I I totally understand that. And I think that's, uh, you know, just something to remember for all of us. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I am telling you, time goes by so fast. That was so fun. Yes, it was totally fun. I really enjoyed it. And I appreciate your insights with all of this. (laughs) And this gives us a, a whole different way to go in our language therapy, which we kind of need a shot in the arm once in a while with our language therapy. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So I really appreciate you coming on the speech link and, you know, and tell us again one more time where we can find more information about you and your materials. Absolutely. So you can uh, find me on Teachers Pay Teachers. My store is called Living the Speech Life. Um, Also on Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram. It is me and my um, co-author of our book. Um, But I'm as the practicing therapist, I create a lot more of the materials on there. Um, and then we also um, can be reached uh, via um, email, which we can access through our Teachers Pay Teachers account or Instagram. And if you have any questions or have any specific books that you would like us to create, and in terms of uh, purchasing our um, my book, IEP Goal Writing, that is available through Plural Publishing. So yes, and I, I'm always 
loving to talk to other SLPs and get other ideas. So I would, I would definitely love to hear from anybody. Sounds good. Well, that's a great invitation. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Bring it on. I am sure that you will have people that will contact you. And that's uh, that sounds really fun, really good. So thank you so much. I appreciate you, Alyssa. You take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Hey, Busy SLP, Char Beauchart here. Here's a tip from me to you. Every week, become a lot more informed. Sign up for Therapy Matters at charbeauchart.com. It's free. Learn our tech and language tips and techniques and tons of ideas for making your school therapy life easier and more effective. I've been a therapist for 30 plus years and I love to share what I've learned. Sign up for Therapy Matters, read it or listen to it at charbochart.com. You'll be glad you did because the therapy that you do matters. Sign up now. Thank you for listening to the speech link. Please check out my other offerings at my website, charbochart.com and also speechtherapypd.com. See you next time for more interviews, information, and insights. Until then... Thank you so much for all that you do with your speech kids. Be well and God bless.